This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlies Silver-Sweeney. An invitation to a networking event pops up in your inbox. Do you have to go? As a small or solo practitioner, there's already so much to do. When is networking and business development worth the time? And when is it just not? Our guest today is Martine Boucher, and she's going to help you decide. She knows what it takes to build up your small or solo firm. Martine co-founded Simplex Legal in 2009. It places lawyers as in-house counsel at companies. This meant she went from associate general counsel at General Electric Capital to a small business owner. Suddenly, she was responsible for bringing in her own business, as well as recruiting lawyers to work for her. We'll find out how she did it in our interview today. Thank you for speaking with us today, Martine. My pleasure. So I read about the fact that you developed your business plan for your firm, Simplex Legal, on a beach in Thailand. And I thought that was pretty great. It was in the CBA Legal Futures Guide on Innovation for Small and Solo Firms. But I want to know what happened once you got back to icy cold Calgary Uh, In particular, how you took it from an idea to a firm, and specifically what your business development and networking looked like at this time. Mm, That's a great question. Yeah, the the beach part was uh, certainly an exciting time. When we came back from our trip in Thailand, we actually had a business plan. So we leveraged the time that we were away from the noise and everything to really think about um, what products, what services we wanted to offer, who we saw at first as our potential clients, and we spent a lot of time researching. So when we came back, we were we 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 were rested. We had a good plan, <laughs> and uh, we had a good vision on what we wanted to execute. Okay. So 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 we came back with and we started executing on it, but. You know, you start with the idea that you want to offer in-house counsel um, on a flexible basis across Mm -hmm. Canada. It's a pretty big (laughs) reach for a low overhead model, right? Like our goal Mm -hmm. was to keep our costs really, really low. So I did spend a lot of time reflecting about where are the clients that we want to target. Mm. And, um, you know, because you need to really choose well your channel and be super efficient and spend in concentration. Like I don't have the means of some of the big international law firms. So, you know, Mm -hmm. buying a page of ad in a magazine that targets lawyers is something like 10 grand. So (laughs) I was like, wow, it's going to use up pretty quickly our budget, right? (laughs) Right. So so we had to show innovation in the way we would be approaching our market. So I'm like, I cannot easily uh, build content. Like all the big firms and the experts can do that so much more quickly mm-hmm. with more resources and they can write the time off because they know that on the long run, they will get the clients down the door. I didn't have that that um, luxury. Right. So I was like, what can I do? And that was a that was a big leap to do. And I was like, well, I've got a few things going on for me. 
one, I'm myself an in-house counsel. You know, mm-hmm. I've spent five years being the associate general counsel of a large financial company. So I know the challenges. I know what they're facing. I understand. So that was one topic. And the other topic was like, I like to think differently. <laughs> We're already mm-hmm. starting on this on this journey. So I kind of picked these two topics as... Um, as my go-to to build my marketing and development plan around. So it was like really becoming an aggregator of information mm. around um, what in-house counsel are facing, any big topics, any big challenge. There's so much information available that sometimes it's nice to have one or two sources that just collect them for you. So I'm like, why don't I do it for the people I want to become my clients eventually? Because right. In, in, in any event, I am a hoarder of information, so, so I'm already doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a, a step up and, uh, and putting myself a little bit more in the limelight. So I got involved with the CCCA uh, in a bigger way, uh, got involved more with my community and uh, started, started working on the plan on these these kind of key ideas. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. But just to make sure I have it right, you looked at what your business plan was and what you were trying to accomplish. And then strategically, you narrowed down your areas or your topics of focus when it came to business development and networking. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So you've created the credibility online and this online community, but you also talked about joining some in-person groups and networks. Will you tell me a bit about what that looked like and how that helped? Yeah, for, for sure. Um, the, the CCCA was always a, a really great uh, place for us to play. Uh, there's, there's a few options out there, but this one seemed to have been working really, really well for us. Like mm-hmm. um, I got involved in uh, just talking about some subjects like again innovation um tools that we had built like rewriting about it and and just talking about our own experience in building the firm right like the challenges we were facing uh either from a technology standpoint or you know just just trying to do things differently or little hacks that we were trying to implement because right you know you want to run a business on a shoestring you need to to be quite creative in the way you approach problems. Well, I thought other people could benefit from that. So I, I started attending the meetings and mm-hmm. just just being actively engaged with that community, which means like going to luncheons and uh, I would ask questions. I've always been a little shy to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Nobody would say that when they think of me, but I am actually quite shy. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I had to force myself out of it. And I'm not sure if it's true anymore. <laughs> but uh, it, it took a little bit of energy to do it. But like, you know, bringing in my point of view and trusting that that people would would find an interest in what I have to say and in my experience and in the fact that I was thinking differently. Like right. you take for granted sometimes uh, your strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a knack for this. I have a knack to rethink uh, problems and solutions. And for me, it, it comes naturally. And when it comes naturally, you, th- you think that everybody has the same knack and then yeah. you discover that it's not true <laughs> right and that people are actually happy to talk to you about this so that's that's how it all unfold, unfolded would you say that this particular network uh, helped you discover your strengths 
yeah it did it did it's 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 um it's funny when people believe in you and you're looking at them it's like really (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know I've had some great supports around me and some great people saying it's true like believe in you and giving you that extra push but seeing a full community uh really welcoming your thoughts and asking you time after time to come back and talk about different topics, inviting you to the table, you start believing that you do have that credibility and it's a nice testament to it. So yeah, I I think the, it's funny, you can build your credibility, but it can Mm -hmm. also help you believe in yourself. So I truly believe in that sense of community and belonging somewhere where you can really make a difference. That's so fascinating to hear because I've actually never thought about networking as a way of confidence building. Usually I kind of feel my confidence eroding in networking situations. So that I think that's a, a good strategy and something helpful to as a mindset to go into when you're entering those situations. No, that's a really good point, Marlis. Like I, I think confidence comes from doing things, right? Like mm-hmm. anybody who's sitting there on the sidewalk waiting to have the confidence to do something, they're missing the boat because we right. always have to start and do it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and confidence comes from doing it time after time. So mm-hmm. if you have a good community that supports you and and finds you, you know, your point of view interesting and of value it will bring that confidence over time. So you you really, uh, you just have sometimes to put yourself out there and uh, be a little bit scared. I think innovation is a lot about being uncomfortable. Well, mm-hmm. I, I've been there and I continue to be on a regular <laughs> basis. I want to change gears here now and ask you a question about working with a non-lawyer. Because you've, you've said before that your best decision was to partner up with someone who wasn't legally trained. And I want to know why that is. I, I stand by my quote. I would make it <laughs> a, again a few years later. Okay. Um, the reason for that is that if you want to be truly innovative, you need to challenge every assumption around you. You need to challenge the way you think about, you know, doing things. Like there's a, a way of delivering legal services. And mm-hmm. and as lawyers, we're so trained to do things the same way. Like we're, we're all looking at precedents, right? Like right. we're all looking backwards and doing the same thing than other people have done and really finding a lot of comfort in that tradition. Well, innovation sits on the other side of that. You need to revisit everything and question yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, who's better place to do this than some, someone who has no preconception on how things should be done? Right. So the non-lawyer is bringing to the table that pure vision of business saying, well, other industries are doing it this way. Why are we doing it this way? And it's like, pause very good question. (laughs) Why are we doing it this way? And sometimes you come to the conclusion that it's the best way. There's some regulation, but sometimes like, "Eh, just because not the right answer. Um, So, so uh, Jeff was really instrumental in, in pushing us in doing things differently and also trying. I realized that uh, being trained as a lawyer has made me a little bit less tolerant to risk. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. (laughs) I think I started off like I'm not the typical, typical lawyer where I went into law because I, I, I didn't have a lot of tolerance to risk. I didn't, I think I started off with 
a fair amount of, you know, I'm, I'm not risk adverse, mm-hmm. but the training pushes you to become much more risk adverse. It certainly does. Um, and, and then it also trains you not to want to make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. And again, innovation doesn't happen unless you do trials and errors, right? You try something, you move on, uh, you know, it doesn't work. You look into it, what went well, what didn't go well, what have I learned, what would I do again and not, and then you move on. So, so Jeff coming from a sales organization mm-hmm. and sales driven, he's all about trying everything to the point where he would drive me crazy at times. I'm like, no, but uh, it was a very healthy uh, debate. And I think it's diversity at, at its best, right? It's when mm-hmm. you can challenge each other on your assumptions, on the risk you want to take, and, and just it opens up your mind to doing things differently, which is all we do at Simplex. We're always trying to do things differently, better, faster, you know, better customer experience. And it all starts with questioning yourself and and not taking for granted that things have been done a certain way and cannot change. So do you think it would be fair to say for solo lawyers or lawyers working at very small firms, if they don't have the ability to partner with a a non-lawyer to at least run their ideas and their business development by friends and family and trusted people in their lives who aren't legally trained and who come from different backgrounds? I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful idea. I would encourage like mentorship. Uh, even like peer-to-peer mentoring where you're part of a um, entrepreneur's group. Like I, mm. I, I participate. It's been like almost three years now where I'm in, in this group, this coaching group. Okay. And I think the best benefit I get out of it is still this peer-to-peer relationship where, you know, I could be talking to a construction entrepreneur and sharing my pain with a certain issue. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, I've got the same issue. And you pause and you're like, how how can that be? Right. <laughs> but then you realize that the fundamentals of business, of customer service, of trying to do the right things, they apply across industries and products and so on. So reaching out and finding a, a community of people who are willing to give you candid feedback and, and be willing to listen. It's not always easy, but we need to listen. Like mm-hmm. The, the non-lawyers uh, think that the legal industry is broken. Um, and I think there are a lot of valid points in what they're saying. And once you start listening and even implementing one or two things that answers um, these issues, like you're way ahead of the game already. Mm-hmm. So another area to reach out to and to network with are people that are entrepreneurs. Because we don't actually think of lawyers as entrepreneurs, do we? No, it's, it's, it's funny. Most lawyers don't think of themselves as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And um, I've been enjoying the ride of just taking classes and coaching with entrepreneurs where there's mm-hmm. no other lawyers in the room, but business is business. And, right. uh, yeah. y- you know, doing business right, even if we think that as lawyers, like our code of conduct and so on, it's ultimately it's just doing business ethically. We're not mm-hmm. the only ones doing this, right? Right, like, of course not. It's, it's good for business <laughs> to mm-hmm. be ethical. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and 
and a lot of these people have become my clients over time. It's funny oh, wow. yeah, because I listen and I implement something. And the next time around, like one of them will say, oh, my God, you've done it. Like, I want to buy this service. Like, this is what I was looking for. Wow. And it's uh, it, it, it's funny. It's it it's had this impact that I didn't foresee at first. So actually, this is a good segue to my next question, and that is you've said before that sometimes you think attending networking events, so events specifically outlined where the goal is to meet people, can be a bit overrated. Uh, So what type of networking is the most beneficial to you as someone looking to build her firm, its reputation, and its client base? I believe that it should be uh, networking that is largely incidental. Okay. And by that, I mean you're, you're doing something uh, that you believe in. You're genuinely having fun. You're attending an event because you want to support your community. Right. For me, these are the most successful events that I've attended to. My primary goal was not to meet people, you know, and... Uh, I just go, I am myself, I'm enjoying myself, people can get to know me. And, mm-hmm. and then in the conversation, it will happen. I, I'm passionate about what I do. So I will tell my story. I have my two minute elevator speech that I've practiced <laughs> many, many times. And it's, it's natural. And it's easy because it's me. It's real. It's not something that I'm faking. It's, it's easy because it's the real story. And, and then I just say it and people will be like, oh, wow, I didn't know this existed. And uh, can I get your business card? And I, I'm always puzzled when it happens because I'm so wrapped up into what's happening that I'm not thinking that I'm doing business development. And yet right. these are my most successful. Okay. Um, the legal, the provision of legal services is really a trust business and mm-hmm. people need and want to know you and, and have trust that you understand and listen to them. The best way to do that is just to go about your life and do it. Uh, That said, you know, I I have targeted a few places where I thought that the, um, there was a great alignment between my values, what I bring to the table and what the group is about. And if that's the case, then I go and I become part of that group. Like I mentioned earlier, the CCCA, that's a great example, right? Like I do networking when I'm at the CCCA, mm-hmm. but it's not my primary goal is still to learn about the reality of in-house counsel and share my own experience. Right. It's not my, my main goal is not networking, but it does align really well. And when it happens, it's, it's really magical because that's, that's when you have a, a really great success. It's, you're not trying to sell you're just you're just going about your life and you're happening to sell and it's working. Right. So focusing on your own interests and the things that you're actually deeply passionate about is more helpful than just going to accepting every random networking invitation that comes into your inbox. And, and, and you know, and if you go to to event, please listen to people like mm-hmm. I, we tell our we tell our team and our business development people ask questions, be curious about the person in front of you. If they never ask you about who you are and what you do, they're not Mm -hmm. even interested, right? Right. Why would you spend any efforts on someone who doesn't have an interest in the type of services you provide or who you are to to really create a cell connection and and be able to get into that that next step of the relationship? Um, you need to know about them and they need to want to open up to you and, mm-hmm. and know who you are. So, I, and anyway, that's my, 
that's how I see it. I, I really believe that people buy when they feel comfortable and they, they, they need what you have to offer. And, mm-hmm. and after that, it's beyond the need. It's like, who do you buy it from? Well, you want to buy it from someone that you find interesting or fun or, you know, right. knowledge is obvious. Like you want someone who knows and offer what you want. But after that, it's just a question of, you know, your personal life. We all want to do business or work with people that we enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. So focus on those active listening skills and making those genuine connections. (laughs) Yeah, we're not good at listening either. There's many things we we do well, but uh, we like talking. I'm a prime example. I have to learn to shut up sometimes and let people. But active listening is is a great skill and it can be learned. Mm -hmm. And uh, it starts by caring. That's the easiest uh, place to start. Yeah. So small and solo firm lawyers are juggling so many things. What is the best way you think that they could use their time as effectively as possible when it does come to business development? I think the best use of your time is is a little bit of planning. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think you need to start by uh, setting up your goals very clearly, mm-hmm. understanding where you want to go and finding. If, if you don't have a strategy to begin with, you're going to be spinning yourself around, right? right? And uh, the, sol- the solo and small firms, like, it's so hard to tell them, like, go there. It's going to be magic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's too hard to tell because everybody is in different fields, right? Like my area was in-house counsel, uh, business law. So Mm -hmm. like I focused on these items and I tried to find out where my clients are. Mm -hmm. If you're doing wills and trust, it's, it's totally different offering, right? Right. So you need to really reflect on who your targeted clients are and where do they hang out, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you find them? And, and what are they interested into? Like, how do you find out what are the, you know, the, the standard, like their strengths, their weaknesses and their opportunities, like if you're thinking of a business, but you can think about that for individuals as well, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if you're targeting these people and being able to address challenges that they face in their lives, you're probably ahead of the curve. And that's where you should spend your time in business development is providing something of value to these people. And start with something small, but you need to understand what they need to to be able to effectively do that. Okay, so that strategic part and planning is key to to being efficient and not losing your time. Hopefully, Martine's advice will make calling through those networking invitations just a little easier. I'd love to hear how you plan to implement her advice. And whether you agree that networking is a lot more than just attending events, what's your favorite way to connect with future clients? Tweet to us at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at SS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes. We also have a podcast in French called Juriste Planché. For more information on business development and networking as a small firm or solo lawyer, check out the CBA Legal Future Initiatives Guide on Managing Change for Solo and Small Firms. It has some excellent resources, like a networking action plan and checklist. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode.